Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Wednesday, May 11th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, uh, Tuesday night, the Guardians coming off of the high of that uh, that come-from-behind win on uh, Monday and, uh, you know, could only muster one run against Lucas Giolito. Uh, Giolito seems to be a uh, one of those guys who every time the, the, the Cleveland faces him, uh, he just he just seems to have one of his better nights. Yeah, uh, you know, early in his career, uh, the uh, Cleveland really knocked him around a little bit. Uh, they kind of owned him, but uh, in the last nine starts, he's four and one uh, against the uh, the Guardians right now uh, with uh, like a 092 ERA. He you know that they they're hitting 181 against him. Uh, and he struck out 70 guys in uh, 55 innings. So, you know, that was more of the same last night. He was, he was dominant last night. Yeah, we were, uh, we had seen uh, Cleveland's offense sort of come alive on, on Monday. And then, uh, you know, guys like Framil Reyes, or I, I believe Framil's 0 for 8 in the series uh, so far, a uh, bunch of strikeouts and, uh, you know, Giolito just sort of figured out a way to uh, it was it's, it's changing speeds. And that was that was really what he's he's very good at. He, he, he not only throws uh, the change up uh, off of his his fastball, he, he throws it at like two or three different speeds. And it gives you a lot to think about in the box when you're a, a hitter. And it really sort of messed with uh, Cleveland's young lineup. Yeah, and, and he's really tough against lefties, uh, Joe. Really, you know, kind of dominated them. The Indians had, uh, I mean, the Guardians had, what, uh, like four or five lefties in that lineup, and they didn't do a whole lot, except for uh, the one guy that does something against everybody with is Josh Naylor. So Josh Naylor is uh, is just about as hot as any hitter in baseball right now. Uh, if if voting for the comeback player of the year took place in May, I think Josh Naylor would have the award locked up. No, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, when he singled in his, his first at bat, um, you know, Tuesday night, uh, that was, that gave him four hits in his last four at bats, you know, RBI double grand slam, three run Homer and a single, you know, going back to, la- um, uh, the, uh, the first game of the series. So he, he is really, he, he's hitting everything, Joe. He's hitting good pitching. 
and uh, he's locked in at the plate. And, uh, you know, he's just what the uh, the Guardians need right now, I think. You know, they, they finished this series against Chicago and then, you know, head for a three-game series over the weekend against the Twins, against, you know, the first-place Twins. Yeah, uh, the, the, the encouraging thing, the exciting thing to see with Naylor was that the home run last night, after after two pretty much moonshots on Monday night that he pulled to, to the to the right side, uh, he went down and got a pretty pretty good fastball on the outside part of the plate and drove it to um, to left field and, and out of the park uh, using using all fields. When he's doing that, uh, it's it it's exciting to see because you know he's staying on the baseball no matter where it's pitched and. You know, Tito says when he's using all fields, that's that's when he's at his best. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, that's an approach the whole team has taken. But, you, you know, you usually don't see that from a power hitter. I mean, the power hitters are going to try to yank the ball. That's what they do. You know, that's probably when they eventually find their swing, you know, that they, they do the most damage to the pull side. But it was good to see, you know, uh, Naylor go the other way there. Well, speaking of somebody who has found his swing and, and found his stroke, uh, Ahmed Rosario, another three-hit game, uh, his second three-hit game of the series uh, last night, and you, you've got to start thinking. Uh, Rosario's out in left field the last two games. Uh, it looks like he might be there for a while. The way that Andres Jimenez is is hitting and and playing defense uh, is is his versatility one of the most important things for the Guardians right now? Yeah, I think so, Joe, and I think. Um... You know, this is a this is a key move for uh, Francona. It really makes I think his life a lot easier if he can if he can you know if if uh, Rosario can make the transition to left field and and still stay productive offensively. You know that's going to allow him to play that young infield. You know with you know not counting uh, Jose Ramirez with Naylor, Owen Miller, Jimenez, and then and then uh, J Ram. Uh, and uh, you're going to get uh, hopefully some production, the same kind of production you got out of left field uh, that that uh, Rosario gave you last year. And uh, he was saying uh, last night, uh, Francona, that you know when when they played Rosario in center field last night uh, last year, he didn't hit. You know, he only hit when they moved them back to shortstop. Now, you know, he's had a great start in left field. I mean, he dropped the ball uh, the other night, but uh, you know, he looked really good going, you know, tracking down a couple balls to the track last night. Uh, and uh, this could be, you know, pretty could really settle that lineup and give them a chance to uh, see what this young infield can do. Yeah, I, I sort of thought last year that it was the move to shortstop that that really settled him down and, and got him locked in at the plate. But it was also the timing of it. It happened in May of, of last year, late May of last year. And it was when the weather was starting to warm up. So maybe, uh, you know, draw a different comparison. Maybe he's more like uh, his, his Dominican countryman, uh, Jose, or I'm sorry, uh, Carlos Santana, who notoriously didn't like hitting in cold weather. Uh, and once things warmed up, he warmed up. Uh, is, uh, is, is Rosario just a fan of warmer weather? In that, is that the case? Yeah, I mean, it could be, you know, and, and uh, nobody likes to hit in April in Cleveland. I don't think, I mean, you have to be a polar bear, half polar bear to do it, to do it well. So, uh, you know, he, he has swung the bat well, 
you know, we've talked about this before. He gives you that dimension of speed when he gets on the bases. You know, I don't think he's going to hit a lot of home runs, but he's a line drive hitter. You know, he's the guy that keeps the line moving, especially at the bottom of the order. Yeah, last year he was he was sort of forced into that number two spot in the lineup and, and was real productive there. It, it, what strikes me is everything jumps off the bat uh, of his uh, and it's it's on a line drive or it's hard hit on the ground. It's he he doesn't uh, he doesn't miss too too often at the plate when he when he decides to swing. It's usually pretty hard contact. Yeah, definitely. And <clears throat> maybe at the bottom of the order, he can help you. You know, you, you keep him out of double play situations, you know, with, uh, you know, guys like Straw and and, and J- uh, Ramirez getting on base because he hits the ball. Like you said, Joe, he really hits the ball hard. And when he hits it on the ground, you know, the double play could be in order. All right. Uh, so, you know, look, just looks like uh, another sort of facet, another, another face of that, uh, that guardians lineup sort of maybe coming into focus, uh, as we move forward to, uh, it, sometimes it's, it's, it's tough to pick out, you know, uh, Tito and, and Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff's vision coming out of, uh, spring training. But, you know, this is sort of what we're seeing now where, where he wanted to go with this, uh, with this infield and with the lineup. And, you know, it's, it, it's just interesting to see it all sort of, you know, come together and, and mix together. Yeah. You know, when, when you, you know, in spring training, you know, Francona always talks about, Hey, we're, it's going to take a little bit of time to uh, feel this out for people to settle into positions. And it's usually just around May where, you know, that the front office and Francona and the coaching staff, start to get a feel for this, uh, this roster. And I think that's what we're seeing now, Joe. I mean, history is repeating itself. Uh, well, uh, history repeating itself. I, I don't know. Last night, um, Monday night's game, it was the White Sox defense that sort of opened the door for the Guardians' big rally. Uh, last night, it was the Guardians' defense sort of returning the favor. Uh, a couple of uh, mishandled pop-ups that, that led to an opportunity for Gavin Sheets to get an extra strike. And that was all he needed to, to hit a, a two run Homer that, that sort of changed the game at that point. Uh, what did you see defensively out of uh, Cleveland's defense and, and are there any concerns there? Yeah. You know, I don't know if there's a concern, but you know, it certainly extended, you know, that, that sixth inning for Cal Quantrill who had pitched really well to, up to that point, I thought, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, Jose Abreu, a, a really a dangerous guy, sends a pop-up, you know, in, in foul territory at first base. Naylor comes uh, rushing over in front of the Indi- uh, the Guardians' dugout, overruns the ball and drops it. But, you know, uh, Quantrill limits the damage and and Abreu gets, you know, grounds out. But still, he, th- he has to throw extra pitches. Then, uh, you know, with uh, – he, so, you know, he gives up a single – uh, to to uh, Lu- Luis Roberts, then, but he comes back and strikes out Grandel. So he's two outs, one on. You know, he's the White Sox are leading one to nothing. So he's you know he's at the doorstep of getting out of the inning. Uh, then uh, Gavin Sheets send a sends a fly ball by the grandstand in foul territory at third base. You know, Jose Ramirez makes a long run, gets a glove on the ball right by the by the wall by the fence there and drops it. And two pitches later, Sheets hit the ball out of the park for, you know, a two-run homer and a three-run lead. And basically that was it. Um, it was a tough play. You know, Francona 
said it was a tough play for Jose. He was going at full speed. He said the ball kind of handcuffed him. But it's a play we've seen Jose make, you know, time and time again. That was, you know, we've, he, he's really good at that play. And he dropped the yeah. ball and he didn't get an error. You know, Naylor got an error. Uh, the official score didn't give uh, uh, Ramirez an error because of the, you know, how far he had to go to get to the ball. But still kind of, uh, you know, it opened the door and the White Sox went through, you know, walked through it. Yeah, we've seen Jose make plays like that. Uh, he's he's really good at being sort of the only guy on that side of the uh, the the infield or outfield uh, who has a shot at some of those those uh, those catches, and you know he usually always makes them. Uh, it, it's unusual to see that that ball pop out of his glove. Uh, so uh, you know, I, I'm sure we'll go a, a long stretch before we see anything like that, but. Uh, as far as what, what Quantrill was able to do, he, you know, he was able to, to sort of bear down and, uh, you know, give him, give him innings and give him length, but it wasn't, he didn't, he didn't necessarily finish. And that was the, the situation, uh, you know, his, his defense gave the, gave him a couple more outs than, than maybe necessary in that, in that inning. But uh, the pattern that we've seen so far is Quantrill will give you a, a, a brilliant outing. But uh, you know, maybe just not enough to to finish off and get the get the win for himself. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles; we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, uh, I thought the fifth inning was really interesting. <clears throat> he gets uh, the first two guys, bottom of the order, out in like six or seven pitches. Then gives up <clears throat> a double to Josh, Josh Harrison, who's hitting 145 coming into the game. You know, uh, the number nine hitter gives up a double off the wall and left center. And then Tim Anderson, who's finally woken up in this series, you know, singles through the middle and it's one to nothing, but it's only one to nothing, you know. So he'd still pitch really, really well until, you know, until, you know, until it kind of got away from him in the sixth inning. But that wasn't really his fault. I mean, it happens. You know, Quantrill still 98 pitches. 71 strikes. I think he threw 72% of his pitches for strikes, Joe. Yeah. You know, the average MLB uh, pit starter throws at 63%. So, you know, he was pounding the strike zone. He, he said he got a little timid, a little tentative in that sixth inning, kind of, and kind of almost blamed himself for what happened. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's just interesting. He, he comes off an outing where he had given up a season high, in in walks and and really uh, what he he didn't he didn't really walk anybody or, or too many in that in, in the last last night's outing so he scattered 10 hits so <laughs> yeah that, it, it, so the the trade-off is if i'm i'm, I'm going to be around the zone they're going to hit the ball and obviously the chicago lineup is, is going to hit the ball uh, speaking of hits there were no hits in the game between the angels and tampa bay last night uh, our old friend Corey kluber started the game for the rays but it was uh, the Angels rookie, uh, Reed Detmers, who, uh, who faced Cleveland uh, during their West Coast trip last week. Uh, Reed Detmers had the uh, – two weeks ago, I'm sorry. Uh, Reed Detmers pitched a no-hitter. 
uh, first first individual no hitter of the season after last year. At this time, we had about five, uh, and all those were thrown against Cleveland. So, um, uh, what do you make of Reed Detmers coming through with a twelve nothing win against the uh, the Rays last night, holding that lineup hitless? Yeah, I mean, uh, historically the Rays have been no hit a lot, Joe. If you look back, they they're one of the teams that. It, it seems like, you know, especially early in their early in their in their, uh, you know, history, they, they were no hit a bunch. Um, but uh, this is, a you know, that's a championship lineup. So, you know, he did a he must have done a great job. I didn't see the game, obviously. But you saw him in uh, in uh, Anaheim mm-hmm. at the big A. What what did you think of him? Did he make an impression on you? You know, uh he, he pitched enough to get them a win. And it, it's it, that was the, the thing is the with that lineup, you don't really have to do too much. It's you've got Mike Trout. Uh, he homered in the game, uh, Shohei Otani. It's you, you just have to do enough to, to get them uh, some, some runs in that situation. Detmers didn't look dominant against Cleveland, but he, he, he did enough to, to keep Cleveland's lineup, uh, you know, sort of in check. And they really didn't put it put together. That was when they were really struggling to sort of string hits together. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I don't know if you can necessarily say you saw this coming, but uh, nine innings, he only struck out two, two batters. He struck out two and walked one. So, you know, it was the definition of let him put the ball in play and trust your defense behind you. Uh, but at the end of the game uh, last night, Tampa Bay, Kevin Cash puts uh, center fielder Brett Phillips out there uh, on the mound trying to, to save his bullpen an inning. And Phillips gives up uh, four runs on five hits, uh, including a pair of home runs late in the game. One of them was to Trout, uh, sort of an unfair matchup, Brett Phillips against Mike Trout. But then Anthony Rendon goes up there and bats left-handed against Brett Phillips. And he, he hits a left-handed home run. And really? He, yeah, that was the uh, – uh, this is a guy who, who's a, a strictly right-handed hitter, and he goes up there batting left-handed in a major league game against a position player uh, pitching and uh, hit a bomb to uh, right field. So really unusual to see something like that. Really unusual to see that, you know, uh, a major league hitter would go up there and bat left-handed when he's not a left-handed hitter. But uh, that really sort of jumped out uh, in, the, in the game to, for me to see that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you, Joe. I mean, we don't think of, you know, major, you know, hitters or major league baseball players as really like elite athletes, you know, but to do that, you know, to, to be able to do that, just come off the bench and, and, and just be able to like, uh, you know, switch sides and hit the ball out of the park, you know, that shows you something, that eye-hand coordination, that, that thing, that's, that's just natural because, you know, I don't think Rendon is hitting, you know, left-handed in BP, you know, he's, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's concentrating on his right-handed swing. It kind of reminds me, you know, a Carlos Carrasco, Carrasco, you know, he could, he was, he could throw lefty and righty and he could throw lefty probably around 85 miles an hour. Yeah. That's crazy. Is that he can, to be able to throw hard at that, to have the mechanic, the body, you know, awareness and mechanics to be able to, to pitch from both sides of your body. That's just, it blows my mind, but uh, you know, there might've been a time in, in Rendon's career, maybe early on when he was a switch hitter or, you know, he batted for both sides of the plate because his swing didn't look like a guy batting left-handed who, who didn't know what he was doing. So 
uh, he, he sort of, it was actually a low pitch that he, he golfed out to, to right field. Uh, I don't know. I, did, did you ever, did you ever swing the bat left-handed? You ever, uh, or wait a minute, are, are you lefty? No, I'm a righty. I'm You're a righty. righty. So you, ever, you ever swing the bat left-handed? But, you know, I went to a family softball game uh, picnic. We were playing softball, and they had everybody had to hit left-handed. And I was terrible, Joe. I couldn't – you know, I'm, a, I'm not a great I, – I, I was a terrible softball player anyways, but I couldn't – I didn't come close to, you know, hitting the ball left-handed. It, it's hard. If you, if you don't work at it, it is really, really difficult. When I was in uh, when I was in high school, every Sunday night with the uh, the church youth group, we'd we'd get together and play uh, on the field out behind the church, and uh, it was a it was a twelve u baseball field that had two hundred foot fences, and we were you know high school sophomores and, and juniors, uh, and, and in one game I hit uh, a home run right handed and a home run left handed uh, over the two hundred foot fence. Carlos Baerga. There you go. Not. I didn't do it in the same inning, but uh, it, it was fun. Uh, so yeah, you know, and I'm obviously I'm just like Anthony Rendon, right? That's that that's <laughs> the, the the simple comparison there. But but no, uh, yeah, you're right. It takes a it takes a little bit to do what he did. So uh, and Reed Detmers, first individual no hitter of the season last year. Uh, what we we set a record. Yeah, uh, it was like and, seven or what, seven or eight, maybe uh, seven or nine. No, I think the record was seven. I think we got to nine. Yeah, uh, last yeah. year, and, and and think about it, three of those came against the Guardians. Uh, this Guardians lineup, though, pretty you, you feel safe saying they're maybe no hit proof. After last year, I don't feel safe about anything, Joe. I mean, <laughs> any lineup can be no hit on a certain on the on the right day. I think. Well, I, 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 the approach is different, definitely yeah. this year. You, uh, the, uh, I'll give you that. You know, guys like Miles Straw, Stephen Kwan at the top of the lineup. I think, you know, that gives you at least what, uh, you know, what six, eight chances. Uh, you know, in a game where those two guys come up and, uh, you know, at least put the bat on the ball and put the ball in play and and make you play defense on it. Uh, chances to to have a no hitter uh, thrown against you uh, really drop in, at that point. So well, Monday night Kopech didn't give up a hit till the fifth inning. So you know it's it's always lurking out there. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I, I, I what'd you write? Uh, you wrote three, four no hit stories last year. I, I yeah. Think was, uh, <laughs> well, and then, and then Tampa Bay no hit him in the. Uh, in the right, seven yeah. inning uh, doubleheader, the one of the seven inning doubleheaders, the notable accomplishment, I guess, is what they they called it or whatever. Uh, Aaron Savali going with, against Vince Velasquez today uh, at Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, Savali coming off of his best outing of the year. Uh, Velasquez two and two, the three nine seven ERA and twenty one strikeouts. Uh, what are we hoping to see here out of the Guardians? Yeah, you know, I think. Uh... You know, Savali said he, he wanted to build on that last start, that he, it gave him something to build on. I'm anxious to see Velasquez. We haven't seen him. Uh, he, he's, he was pitched uh, in, in, uh, for San Diego and the Phillies last year. Um, so, you know, we'll have to, you know, get – and they really didn't announce him until last night. You know, it was undetermined who was going to start that game, this game. So, uh, you know, I think the – you know, Guardians are getting the first look at this guy, and we'll see what happens. Jose Abreu, a 133 lifetime average against uh, Aaron Savali in 15 at-bats. So uh, hopefully there's uh, there's uh, a chance there to keep him in check as well. All right, Hoinsey, 
uh, afternoon game and then uh, get away to Minnesota. We will talk to you again at some point tomorrow here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Good deal, Joe.